broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, Gillespie, I mean, we're right now, we're, we're talking about some open competition at all those spots, you know, wow. especially at the free safety spot, you know. So we're just taking a look at everybody. It's still early, but he's been impressed. We know that he's going to be a very, very talented special teams player. We know he'll bring that. But I've been impressed with how fast he has picked things up, too. Uh, this has been so beneficial for all those younger guys, the ability to get out in the field, even though many of the reps are walked through, just to see how fast they pick things up he's been impressive too now we really like what we see from him i know it's only otas and uh another big step is ahead uh for minicamp uh next week uh, next tuesday through thursday over at the practice facility in henderson so you gotta definitely keep things uh in perspective uh it's otas it's minicamp it's not uh training camp and it's certainly not the preseason or the regular season uh but it sure seems like some young players uh, have already opened up some eyes uh, over at the facility uh, in front of, obviously, Coach John Gruden, uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, who we just heard uh, his voice talking to JT the Brick yesterday. And specifically, he was talking about Tyree Gillespie. He's one of uh, many of the young players uh, that have really um, you know, uh, taken advantage of this opportunity in OTAs to get in the building, uh, to learn, to get things figured out, to make for good first impressions, um, and then to to sort of set the stage for what they might be able to do once the level goes up another notch, and that's when pads come on uh, later on this summer during training camp. And the thing with Tyree Gillespie is that seems to be when he excels the most. Um, he brings a physicality to the sport of football, to his position at safety. Uh, he's not afraid to mix it up. Just go look at the tape. Uh, and already he's starting to show some signs that the Raiders uh, are picking up on. And uh, want to talk. by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. I uh, hope you've had a great Friday so far, setting up for a nice weekend, some Great NBA playoff games this weekend. The Golden Knights punched their ticket uh, to the Western Conference semifinals. I'm not sure if they call it the semi, the, the conference finals uh, in, in hockey. What I've seen is the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals. That makes a lot of sense as well, but uh, uh, I'm a former NBA guy. So uh, it's to me, it's the conference finals, but it could be just the semifinals because it looks like they're playing the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what I'm getting wrong. I just realized that they're playing the Montreal Canadiens. They're not in the Western Conference. They must have changed things up. My apologies uh, for not knowing all the ins and outs of the playoff format this year for the NHL. Uh, but bottom line, the uh, Golden Knights are one step away, one series win away from going back to the Stanley Cup. It would be the what the second time in their three year existence. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but but that's the possibility that they're facing. And it's kind of miraculous when you think about it. So a uh, big weekend set up. We'll see, um, you know, where all that is headed. Uh, and obviously big weekend for the Raiders taking a little bit of time off 
before mandatory minicamp uh, next week. We want your thoughts. We want your calls uh, on what we know so far, uh, anything that you guys have on your mind leading up to uh, minicamp. And then obviously as they close shop for a little while before training camp, give us a call 702-365-9200 here to uh, answer any questions or shed any insight uh, that, that I can. Um, some, some good news today. Did some poking around, uh, you know, that Yannick Ngakwe, um, Josh Jacobs and Quinton Jefferson. Uh, Yannick is the new defensive end that the Raiders signed during free agency. Quinton Jefferson is the new defensive tackle that they signed uh, during free agency. Obviously, you know who, you know who Josh Jacobs is. Uh, star running back now going into his third year. All three of those players during OTAs, uh, or at least these last three weeks of OTAs, the voluntary phase three segment of OTAs when there was actual on-field work that was uh, that was brought into the picture. All three of those players uh, did their own thing during OTAs and uh, skipped the voluntary uh, end of it. And uh, by everything that I've heard, people that I've talked to and the people that I talked to know what the heck's going on. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it was everyone's on the same page with that. Uh, we've talked about this before. Yes, this is a voluntary uh, component of the off season. No, that doesn't mean it's voluntary for everybody. Understand your place in life. Let's come on. Let's be honest with, with this. Uh, if you're somebody that's established, somebody that's bonafide, somebody that's proven, somebody that has uh, built up a level of confidence and a level of production, you get treated a little bit more differently than somebody who hasn't. Hello. Welcome to the real world. Who is arguing that? I still can't fathom that anybody with half of a brain would argue that voluntary, these type of things mean different things for different people. That's the real world. Let's all face it together and start of playing some, instead of playing semantics and thinking, oh, it's always so fair. This isn't high school football. This isn't, um, you know, uh, some voluntary sport where everybody plays and everybody makes the team. It's a cut throat NFL high level proposition. This is real world type stuff, whether you're talking about uh, working in for a, a big company, whether it's the NFL, whatever it is, your walk in life, we all know and we all get and we all understand that not all the rules apply to everybody. And there was a time when Quentin Jefferson, Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Jacobs were voluntary, wasn't really voluntary for them. And they did what they did and what they had to do at that stage of their career, uh, then built up a level of trust with their uh, bosses, with their employees. And so now they're on a different level than other people are. It's not, <laughs> let, let's just face the facts of real life. So Yannick Ngakwe, Qu uh, Quentin Jefferson, Josh Jacobs, with the blessing of the organization, did their own thing, uh, stayed on track. There's no worries. There's no concern. Everything that I've heard, they're all fine. Um, it was with the understanding from the team. However, they are expected to be at the mandatory uh, phase of the offseason program next week during the three-day uh, minicamp over at uh, the facility in Henderson. So uh, I'd be surprised if, uh, if any of those guys didn't show up. The expectation is they are. Sorry to get all fired up about it, but, you know, I've been on this earth now for a little while. You see how it works. You see how things work. And if you want to 
make anything of yourself in life, guess what? Got to play by the rules, man. Got to play by the rules. This isn't some, you know, uh, uh, childhood type thing. This is the real world. This is how adult adult world works. And the sooner you realize it, the better off you're going to be. And the quicker you're going to get yourself into a position where, hey, hello. Um, Yeah, guys, uh, you know me. You know that I get the job done. You've never uh, had an issue with that. Uh, I've got a little program that I'm going to stick on during this voluntary phase. I'm going to do my own thing. But when the lights come on, uh, you know I'm going to be there. Absolutely, brother. We know what you've done in your life. We know what you're all about. Uh, You've got our blessing in that regard. See you when we see you. We know you're going to be in great shape. We know you're going to take care of business. Not everybody has built that level of respect. Certainly not young players who are understand and, and know that, hey, man, I haven't done squat in the NFL. I haven't done squat, relatively speaking, in life. That went for me when I was 21 years old, trying to make my mark, trying to get my foot in the door. You think I was giving up an opportunity to go cover a high school football game in the middle of nowhere for 30 bucks, writing a graph or two just to get my foot in the door to be able to to build from there? And guess what? Not too long after that, I quickly built up a, uh, a level of trust, a level of respect for my employees. Next thing you know, I'm covering something bigger, something better. And so that's how life works. That's how life works. And it's no different in the NFL. So let's, you know, move past all the uh, all the little kid type talk. Uh, this is the w- real world. And again, I'm not trying to preach to you because either you get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, good luck to you. <laughs> When you do get it, you understand how the rules really apply. And the quicker you understand that and the quicker you apply those uh, and, and, and play that game, guess what? The quicker you're going to be in a position where the rules sort of change for you. You've earned that respect. You don't just get it. Yeah, earn it. So uh, there we are. I am looking forward to uh, minicamp next week. Why do you say that? What's the difference between minicamp and what you've been watching these last three weeks during OTAs? Well, minicamp is more like a mini training camp. So what teams try to do is they try to replicate what you're going to see what players are going to see during training camp. So the schedule shifts from a voluntary. OTA schedule, which um, is like six hours uh, in the building. Uh, That's the maximum amount of time uh, that the team can keep players uh, in the building to more of of what they're going to see in in, in training camp. So for our purposes, the media, they're going to open things up. So it's going to be more like what we get to watch during training camp, which is basically wide open. The entire practice, uh, get to watch all of the... um, you know, the, the 11 on 11 stuff, which is like, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I want to see who's lining up uh, at first team slot cornerback. I want to see who's out on the perimeter. Is it going to be Casey Hayward? Is it going to be Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen? Who's going to be in the slot? Is Damon Arnett playing the slot, right? I want to see all that stuff. We haven't really been able to, they spread things out uh, during OTAs and a lot of things, a lot of what we're seeing at the, at the um, during the periods that we're allowed in, in there. Um, to, to watch, uh, everything's kind of spread out and you have, you know, your DBs are way over there. Then sometimes, you know, your linebackers are, are a little bit closer than your defensive line. You're like, you could reach out and touch the defensive line. Same with the offensive line, whereas the quarterback and wide receivers, they're a little bit further away. Uh, by the time they all, they bring it all together, 
um, in OTAs, they go in, in inside where we're not allowed uh, to watch inside. Uh, and that's when they go through their, that's when they've been going through what, what they've been doing is, is a walkthrough for the 11 on 11s and all that type of stuff. So there's your pace being um, lightened a little bit uh, for, for the Raiders. So uh, when they start getting to team versus team, defense versus offense, they do more of a walkthrough during OTAs. I think that's going to change during minicamp. I think we're going to see what we normally see uh, in training camp where the ones play the ones and they get after it. Now, when I say get after it, you have to put some uh, air quotes uh, around that. There's still no tackling. Uh, you don't really see tackling even to this day in training camp. Um, you know, it's it's pr- uh, trying to preserve players, trying to make sure nobody gets hurt um, at this stage of the year and you're lost for the year. So how do you do that? Obviously, you kind of mitigate and manage the physicality of it. So there's no... Uh, literally, uh, you know, tackling somebody to the ground. Um, you know, it's 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 slightly less than full speed. You have to be a little bit less than full speed because you're trying not to knock somebody uh, from Henderson to Summerlin, right? And and you hurt somebody and uh, get a cross eye from John Gruden asking you, "Are you?" an idiot. Why did you just drill Henry Ruggs? Like, you know what I'm saying? And that does happen from time to time. So, and you you just have to kind of shake your head like, dude, we're all in this one together. Uh, Let's, let's, let's wait to do that until we see somebody else's uh, jersey and somebody else's helmet. So, uh, but the good thing about minicamp, and this is what my expectation is for next week, is that we're going to see Derek Carr and and the first team offensive line working against what is presumably the first team defense heading into minicamp. Nothing is etched in stone, but most of it, let's face it, most of it is. There's just a couple of key positions um, that, you know, uh, there's still some questions about, right? Safety. What we thought was probably going to be Trayvon uh, uh, Merrig, and Jonathan Hanking, Hanken, or Jonathan Hankins, Jonathan Abram, uh, Abram, that pairing at safety, one Trayvon uh, over at free safety, and Jonathan at uh, box safety. Well, according to Gus Bradley, and according to what I heard over the weekend, not so fast. Not so fast on declaring who those two starters are going to be. I still think it's going to be uh, Trayvon uh, and Jonathan, but. Uh, there's some players that have uh, squeezed their way, forced their way into the picture in a more pronounced way than maybe originally thought. So those two spots, according to Gus Bradley uh, yesterday on JT The Brick Show and kind of backing up what I heard over the weekend, it's an open competition. So let's see <laughs> on Tuesday when we get out there. Who the heck is lining up at safety for the Raiders? Uh, I want to see, again, uh, where Casey Hayward fits into the picture, where Damon Arnett fits fits into the picture. I want to see who the two defensive tackles are going to be, if I had to guess. Um, Maybe not when minicamp opens, uh, but probably by training camp. I'm going to guess that the defensive line is going to look like starters. Clee Farrell, Quinton Jefferson... Probably Jonathan Hankin, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, that's the, would be the base starters with a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of Max Crosby, a heavy dose uh, situationally of Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon. By the way, Darius Phylon, been able to keep an eye on him uh, during these uh, the, the uh, opportunities that we've gotten uh, to, to check out practice. Remember, Darius Phylon, 
uh, missed two years of football uh, due to a or because of a uh, situation that happened off the field very soon after he had signed with the Arizona Cardinals after two really productive years with the uh, with the Chargers under Gus Bradley, by the way. He signs a contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Everything is going good. He got paid. Something happens off the field, um, and that tied him up, basically, in terms of getting ready to play some football. And so he missed the last two years. Uh, watching Darius Phylon during uh, individual drills and, 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 and getting after it, there's a little bit of huffing and puffing going on. But you know what? That's to be expected. This, is, this, this kid has missed two years of football. It's not like you could just walk in and, uh, and, and be able to – I don't care what kind of workouts you're doing, man. I do not care. It don't matter. It doesn't matter to me. When you get out on the football field, it's a whole different proposition. So he's kind of working his way uh, back into things. Uh, but based on his production in the past, the work ethic is there. He's definitely getting after it. Um, you know, we'll, it'll be interesting to see where he stands physically and um, stamina wise and all those things and just getting the rust off uh, when training camp opens. Um, so getting back to that defensive line, Clee Farrell, Hankins, Jefferson, and uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, heavy dose of Max Crosby, Carl Nassib, Malcolm Kuntz, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, Kendall Vickers, uh, and we'll see about um, Darius Stills, the rookie free agent from Oklahoma, or excuse me, West Virginia. A lot of people have been asking about him. He's looked okay um, when he's been out there. Uh, look, looking forward to seeing him in minicamp and then uh, in training camp. Uh, but getting back to that safety position, what we thought was kind of a kind of a etched in stone situation with uh, Merig, uh, the, the second round pick from TCU and Jonathan Abram, the third year safety uh, now moving to the box safety position has turned into something a little bit different. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Trayvon has definitely been uh, catching the eye of the Raiders coaches, including Gus Bradley. Here's Gus Bradley talking about the young safety from TCU. Right. Well, I think what we see right now is, you know, a lot of the practice has been an individual where we've gone full speed. The walkthroughs have been just that, walkthroughs. But just his uh, picking up the concepts, his attention to detail has been very impressive. Uh, we look forward to see his athleticism in this mini camp that we're about to have. But, uh, you know, the arrow's going up just as far as his learning the, the defense and, and picking up some of the new concepts we're teaching. Well, I think that's a big thing. You know, he's got really good range. Uh, appears like we saw an individual and on tape. You know, that ability to cover from sideline to sideline, good instincts, not only the speed to do it, but the, just understanding the defense and how it falls into play for him and when he can take chances. Uh, he's also got to be a guy that takes really good angles for us in the tackling part of it. You know, if a guy breaks through the line when you are a single safety middle team, he's got to be that eraser-type tackle. And I've been very impressed with the angles and uh, how, how fast he's picked up on that. That's Gus Bradley talking about Trayvon uh, uh, Merrig, uh, the rookie from TCU, and uh, much like what uh, uh, Gus was talking about, being able to see uh, Trayvon when that physicality starts getting jacked up a little bit and seeing him in actual pursuit. And that's the thing, man. I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> I can't think of a, of a season where preseason football means more <laughs> to whether you're talking about the NFL or the Raiders in particular 
then these next three games that the Raiders are going to play, what is it, the Seattle Seahawks over at Allegiant Stadium, the Los Angeles Rams uh, over at SoFi Stadium, and then wrapping up with the uh, San Francisco 49ers up in Santa Clara. Given how young the Raiders are, and given how, hey, Trayvon Merrick, Tyree Gillespie, whoever's going to win that free safety spot, it sure looks like there's going to be one, maybe even two rookies on the field at safety for the Raiders uh, this year. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, But between the young safeties, the young cornerbacks, uh, some of these young linebackers, preseason football, you can laugh at it. You can scoff at it. You can mock it. You can say whatever you want. You can say that it's meaningless. And maybe for you, it is. You know, for me, I want to see what some of these guys look like when actual hitting comes into the equation. Uh, You know, I've had coaches tell me, look, you know, what we try to do is, you know, where what Gus Bradley was talking about with Trayvon in terms of the uh, pursuit angles and and the way he's, what he's showing in that regard it shows a coach, it tells a coach that, you know, obviously they're seeing it right, they're understanding it correctly, they've got a command on a, of it, uh, they're, they're uh, running, the right, taking the right angles, doing so with confidence and, and the command. And that's all great. And most coaches will say, look, I got to figure that at this level, if somebody's on my roster has been, you know, the general manager has put this guy on my roster, I got to figure that if he does all of those things correct, if he's where he needs to be, he's probably going to be able to make the tackle because he's done it his whole life. He's done it to such a level that our scouts, myself, looking at him, whatever the case might be, we've seen him do it enough on film to understand and believe that when it comes to that part of it, as long as he's showing us that he's where he needs to be right now and understands it and takes the proper ste- uh, drops and, and knows the calls, knows the formations, reads it correctly, all that kind of stuff. It's, if he's able to grasp it from that perspective, he's going to make the tackle. And I think that there's a level of, yeah, we get it and understand it. But I also think there's a little bit of leap of faith with that because what else can you do at this point? You're not seeing it in training camp. When I was a kid, I grew up in uh, Southern California and just so happened, uh, 20 minutes from where I grew up, Thousand Oaks, California, uh, I grew up in Ventura, the Dallas Cowboys would have their training camp every single year over at Cal Lutheran University. Ironically, that's now where the Rams practice. Uh, That's their headquarters. Every year, my dad would take us up to Thousand Oaks to watch the Dallas Cowboys. And I kid you guys not. I kid you guys not. They had three-a-days going on back in those days. Like three practices a day. And I'm not talking about some walkthrough. I'm talking about full-on, fully padded, getting after it, tackling, dragging guys, getting after it. I'd see Tony Dorsett just get creamed by somebody, you know, a great defensive player on the Dallas Cowboys. Like, like that's what you would, that's how it was. Nowadays, you just got to assume that somebody's going to be able to break a tackle. You got to assume that that guy's going to make the tackle if he's there where he's supposed to be. And there's a little bit of a leap of faith uh, going on with that uh, in that regard. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador on a Friday. We'll talk to you on the other side.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Obviously, stopping the run is very important to us, but you can never have enough rushers. And that's why we'd like to, you know, have the ability to come in waves. You know, not only a first wave, but a second wave. And, uh, you know, made a big emphasis on that fourth quarter rush, that two-minute rush, and having guys fresh enough, you know, to really affect the quarterback. And, uh, you know, so I like what we've added. Mike's done a great job, Coach Gruden, you know, bringing guys in, and uh, they, they feel like they all have a chance, and they've been competitive throughout. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all comes together, but it's really that base premise of you can never have enough rushers is what we're trying to do with that group. You know, I hear Gus Bradley talk um, about uh, bringing in a bunch of players um, that he believes and the Raiders believe can can get after the quarterback. And I just remember some of the signings and, you know, people, well, you know, getting mad because it's going to take snaps away from that guy or what does it mean for, for, for this guy? Just get over that, man. I mean, it's, it's not even worth paying attention to or worrying about. Who cares? The whole goal for the Raiders is to get efficient snaps every time they line somebody up out on the field. And one way you do that is by making sure everybody has gas in the tank when they're on the field. You don't want to overdo it with one guy um, and, and and not be able to, to lean on him late in games like Gus Bradley talked about. And if you could get it to a point where who cares if Max Crosby starts or who, you know, what happens is does Clee Farrell move inside? It doesn't matter as long as you at every point along the way are able to put out there four guys that are relatively fresh. And as Gus Bradley just talked about in those critical moments late in games, be able to really have something left in the tank from your best players. That is what it's all about. So don't get caught up in who's starting, how many snaps this is going to take away from that guy. This isn't flag football. This isn't youth football where everybody gets to play and all that kind of stuff. And everybody has to worry about everybody's feelings. It's about winning football games by any means necessary. And one way you do that is build a rotation and a deep rotation that creates a level of efficiency throughout the game that is at a high standard, including at the end of games. So uh, so there's that. That's what I'm uh, screaming and yelling about on a Friday. Who cares about all that nonsense and feelings and all that kind of stuff? Get your best players out on the field. Get a bunch of good players uh, and make sure that by the end of games, you've got your best players out there with something left in the tank to give you something that you need at that point in the game. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line and bring in my paisan from a, uh, a a different mama, and that's Willie Ramirez uh, from the Associated Press here in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Willie, what's going on, my friend? Uh, great night last night over at T-Mobile. I know you were there. What was the atmosphere? First of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How you doing, my brother? Doing good, my brother. Just uh, your producer caught me just as I was walking out of the gym. Finished up a little shoulder and arm workout. Got some cardio in, and I literally timed it for this uh, segment. So uh, feeling all right, doing all right, and uh, ready to talk beautiful to football. But yeah, last night was it was amazing for the for, for the simple fact that uh, since year one, I have not missed one home game, whether it's been in the playoffs or regular season. Um, and 
you know, for the Golden Knights to be able, you know, they hadn't closed out a series in in the first, well, the first or second year, and then and then and then this year um, was their first opportunity because last year they were in the bubble. Now they've done it two straight series, and um, you know the fact that DeBoer and GM Kelly McCrimmon gave credit, a lot of credit, saying that um, you know there's a lot of things they felt that they couldn't have got done this year or, or against the teams this year if they were in the bubble due to the fact that they were at 100% capacity for this particular series against Colorado. They gave a lot of credit to the fans. They gave a lot of credit to, you know, the local officials in opening things up to 100% because that crowd really does make a difference. And that atmosphere in that arena, um, it's just a different, different vibe. It really is. And, and just even with the media, you know what I mean? I mean, you know how it is on Press Row. We're sitting up there. You've been in football stadiums, 50,000, 60,000 people. And something big happens at the last second. I mean, you were there, right, in, in New York for the, for, the, for the game last year, a last second touchdown. And, you know, we're looking at left and right at each other saying, who got the assist on that? Well, 18,000-plus are screaming over a goal. You know, you're seeing a last second touchdown. You're looking you're like, dang, did you see that block? And we're very calm up there. But the reality is, is that we can re- you can feel the energy. I don't care who you are. You know, and uh, what's interesting to me, Willie, is uh, I think back when I wasn't here, uh, I was still in Los Angeles at the time, uh, but when the Golden Knights went on that miraculous run in their first year, uh, it's still hard to comprehend that expansion team did what they did by getting to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Um, But I can imagine that from the fan base at the games, um, yes, they wanted to win, uh, but I'm sure of that. Uh, but but it was probably just an appreciation for being there, some a little bit of surprise, like bewilderment, like are we really here in the Stanley Cup Finals or are we really a step away from the Stanley Cup Finals? Whereas three years later, there's probably less of a surprise and wow, what a great moment this is. This is unbelievable to just straight out. Let's win this bad boy. Uh, it's no more, you know, we're the new kids on the block. It's like legitimately got to win this thing. And, and they're acting like fans typically act in that scenario, uh, situation. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, no, it's an expectation. I'm very close with a, a, a juvenile probation officer with the local, uh, you know, law enforcement and I actually covered this person when they played high school sports in the mid-90s. So we talk all the time. I was a grown adult, married, and, and uh, you know, we talk all the time, and, and season ticket holder. And it's funny because uh, they're saying, you know, it's hard for a team to, to beat another team. And it's the hardest thing to do in sports is beat a team three straight times, right? And they're talking about the Minnesota series where Minnesota came back, tied it, forced game seven. So I texted this person. I was like, hey, you know, it's hard to beat a team three. Uh, remember, it's hard to, to win three straight. And, uh, you know, when, when, when it was two to two and going up there for game five and, and this person texted me, I said, oh, no, 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 but it's different with Vegas because Vegas is special. Vegas can do it. And then last night I texted, can the, can the team win four in a row? Oh, no, 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 this, this, it's over, you know. So, yes, there's a, it's an expectation. And I think it's because it's, it's, it's an organic fan base. You know, the Raiders – are, 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 you know, historic in the NFL, and they're, they've already had fans, and they already have haters. You know, Vegas, everything about the Vegas Golden Knights is organic, even if it has team, uh, fan bases outside of the city that, that hate them, in San Jose or, you know, in, in other NHL cities. But the fact of the matter is, the growing fan base that it has across the hockey world is all organic because it started fresh. So, 
there has be it has grown from that surprise season like this is cool this is the new thing let's go to Vegas let's watch a hockey game to expectations of greatness and run into the cup yeah, no question, and you could you could feel it. You could you could feel um, sort of like you said that that expectation. Um, all right, well, in the middle of uh, the Golden Knights' run to potentially uh, a second Stanley Cup final in in three years, uh, the Raiders uh, have been busy over at the practice facility in Henderson, laying the foundation uh, for you know training camp uh, later on in July, and then obviously the regular season uh, in September. We've seen now T-Mobile Arena uh, back at full, full tilt. It's a beautiful thing. The expectation yeah. is Allegiant Stadium is not far behind. Uh, Willie, we were both there during some key games down the stretch last year. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins, the Los Angeles Chargers, when uh, the Raiders offense gave the defense the lead in late, 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 late game situations. And I would sit there sometimes thinking to myself, man, what would Allegiant Stadium feel like and sound like right now in these key moments? And we both know it was eerily silent because there were no fans at the stadium last night. What are your expectations when we get to those moments at Allegiant Stadium this year when key moments arise and the fans are there to play their role? Well, you know, Jared Bednar, the coach of the Colorado Avalanche, told after games three and four, told the media that he was so hoarse because he couldn't even talk to his players on the bench. So it's different in hockey. I get it as you're adjusting, um, which actually I'm going to relate to something uh, when you were coming back into this out, out of the break, something you said interesting that I thought of last night and it ties into that. But anyway, Bednar, his players, they couldn't even hear one another and they're right there on the bench. So forget about the crowd having an effect and hearing, you know, in, in that effect, what about, quarterbacks making those calls at the line or having a, you know, audibles. And so, yes, I think that that 12th man is going to make a difference. And, you know, you, you know better than I do because I've covered the Raiders for one season in an empty stadium. And you, but you've traveled, you got to travel to some stadiums that were letting partial crowds in and you've covered the NFL for years. So you know what those crowds are like. Um, when you have a brand new stadium and you have an electrified, uh, sports audience in Las Vegas like it is. And I think that the Raiders have slowly grown on a little bit of time. I think they still have their embedded haters. Um, I think that it's going it, to, it's definitely going to have the same energy. Um, it's just, it's, it, and I say this, I'm not I'm sure people can get this and comprehend this. It'll have the same energy. It's a matter of the same vibe, if that makes sense. And I, you know, as, as a media member, you should understand like tomorrow night I'll cover a box. It's going to have the same sports energy, but it's a different vibe. It's a boxing vibe. It's a hockey vibe. That NFL vibe in those closing, waning moments, you need to drown out that quarterback. I think it's going to make a difference, and I definitely think the Raiders are going to have the vibe behind them that's going to help. Um, they still have to put the product on the field, and they still have to make the plays. You said something interesting to me to the other the other day at the facility that I actually used and carried over to a, a show I did on, uh, on the on the sister station over at Lotus um, in talking about how I was like, who's going to be the key guy this year? You know, last year it was Malik Collins, and you, you kind of laughed and you said, you know what, Willie? He was the key guy because if, if Gruden made such a big deal about him being the key guy and he didn't live up to his expectations, he must have been key because the defense followed that, that path. And I found that to be somewhat profound because I was like, you know what, that actually makes sense. And with that, I was thinking about 
what you were talking about coming into the break, in that, um, you know, there are nights where Peter DeBoer puts the Ryan Reeves line, the fourth line, to start, but it doesn't matter because right after that, Mark Stone and Pacioretty, a minute later, they're coming on. So you're absolutely right in the fact that it doesn't matter who starts, who goes out there and, and lines up and whatever. If you have a rotation of players coming in and out and you have that depth, you know, that was the big conversation last night with Peter DeBoer uh, with the Golden Knights in keeping fresh legs on the ice, keeping fresh legs on that defensive line. When you're facing the quarterbacks that are in, this, uh, in the AFC West, you got to have fresh defensive legs. So I think it all ties in. You have fresh players. You have uh, guys that are not going to be wore out come that fourth quarter, and you're going to have a filled stadium driving the energy, lifting up these players' spirits. I think it all ties into one another, and I think, it's, I think we're gearing up for something special. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not predicting anything, but I do think that we're going to see some improvement because we're not going to be in such truculent times. And I think that uh, allowing Vegas to sort of embrace being an NFL city is going to provide some special moments at home for this team. We're talking to Willie Ramirez from the Associated Press here in Las Vegas, uh, our good friend, um, and we always appreciate having him. And I think that you bring up some really good points about, you know, something special could be brewing. And obviously, as you mentioned, the Raiders have to do their part. They have to get back into a position where, you know, they do have the lead late in the game. Um, and, 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 you know, then they hand it off to their defense and, and the crowd that's going to be there and say, hey, we need you right now. <laughs> you know, we need you. Yeah. You're, you're, you could play a role here. So they have a responsibility in that regard. Um, but what I've seen so far in OTAs, I think they're headed in that direction. I really, I, 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 I have a good feeling about uh, where they are right now. I'm not predicting any kind of a Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think they're closer than people might think. And what's what's crazy about it all is we didn't get a chance to see these guys at this point in the season last year, uh, Willie. The That's first right. time we saw them was when they were in training camp. And to take that another odd step forward, that was the first time they saw each other, <laughs> literally, was the first right. time they saw each other was in training camp. This is such an important time of year for them to kind of get back what they lost last year at this point. Um, and, and then to have the whole city behind them, their fans at the stadium behind them, the whole atmosphere that it's going to be like, I think it's just going to look a whole lot different than it did last year. Yeah, the only thing that we got to see about this time last year, or I don't even remember what month it was, was the, the, uh, the little off location you know, where they swore they weren't coming around each other. They would meet at the park and stay <laughs> yeah. distance with, you know, when it was Derek Carr, getting to know his receivers and, and sort of bonding with those players. So you're right. And, and I've noticed a lot of the camaraderie and the joking and joshing, even if it's like, you know, five seconds of, of nudging one another or five, ten seconds of building one another up. I'll tell you what, man. The defensive line, if you were out there watching, if you're out there the last three Wednesdays watching the defensive line go through their drills, you would think that we were in August. Like, these guys are getting after it. You see, they're all having fun. I'm not saying that other units aren't working hard, but I've really been impressed by the defensive line and somewhat the leadership of the different guys that are jumping in there, the linebacking core, you know, just anybody that's on that defensive front, the drills that they've been doing, it's I mean, you would think, I mean, of course, these guys are huge, right? They're, they're big, they're stacked. You would think that they had pads on, but um, they're bringing a lot to these OTAs, and I think that they're just ecstatic about being able to be out there. And we've heard that 
all three weeks that we've had them on the Zoom, somebody, if not everybody, and of course, questions have led them to answer, but some of them have brought it up in general, and how important it is to have in-person workouts and OTAs and, and, and be able to build the camaraderie. You know, um, I can't remember who it was that, was that brought it up the other day, but that Carr had a barbecue and he brought the young guys over to let them know, you know, I mean, things like that, I believe, are important. I believe they're important now, and I believe it's showing us. Um, I actually said this on the show I was talking about earlier. I, I think that one of the key guys that everybody, everybody's knocking him because Hayward brought, was brought, Casey Hayward was brought in. Everybody was knocking him because of last year. I get it. He was a little reckless. I think he, I got, I think he got a little bit too big of a head, you know, high-priced rookie, right? Something tells me the off-season workouts – that he's been gearing up for. I know he's, he's big on his music career. He just released a rap video. Something tells me that we're going to see a different side of Damon Arnett this year, and I'm putting it out there ahead of time. Until I see different, he's my sleeper in terms of that he's going to live up to his expectations in his second year rather than what we saw last year. I just, I'm hearing a lot of good things around town, but just his focus, um, you know, and – Question marks have always surrounded since he got here, just, you know, enjoying the town, sort of living it up. And um, I, I, I think that I just think that we're going to see a different defense. I'm not talking about a vast, you know, a big change, and they're going to be the top of the rankings, going to be the number one defense. But I do think that we're going to see a turnaround. I do think that we're going to see a difference. I agree, and you can follow him at Willie G uh, Ramirez, and and you can you can say Damon Arnett, then you can go right over to Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, Corey Littleton, bouncing back from the year that he had last year. There's so many players on this defense that actually do have the potential to do just that, and yeah. if they can get enough of them to get back on track, and in Damon's case, um, you know, really solidify himself and 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 have a solid you know, injury-free second season. It can make all the difference uh, in, in the world. Willie, I want to say thanks so much for the time. Uh, always enjoy it. Really appreciate it. Any prediction on uh, Golden Knights in the next series? I actually think that the goal, I think uh, Montreal is going to provide them with a, a, a little bit of a, a challenge, but I don't think that Montreal has enough firepower, and I don't think because they only have about 2,500 fans coming, again, that crowd's going to just light things up and I think that the Golden Knights are returning to the Stanley Cup final. Now, depending on who they play, I really want to see them play the New York Islanders because I would love to see the Golden Knights against Barry Trotz again. Um, but either team would be a fantastic Stanley Cup final. I appreciate what Montreal has been doing from an outsider looking in, outside my journalism hat, taking it off. I rooted for Montreal to this point. Um, now I don't root for either team. I just cover the series. But I, uh, I do think that the Vegas Golden Knights are returning to the Stanley Cup final. There you have it. There you have it. The Golden Knights Golden going Knights. to the Stanley Cup final, hopefully. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. I want to say thank you, Willie Ramirez. Uh, appreciate uh, the time. Appreciate all the hard work you're doing. I'll see you next week uh, at the facility. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and uh, make sure you get back in the gym and do your thing. Uh, you got it, buddy. Thanks. That's Willie Ramirez from uh, the Associated Press here in Las Vegas. Always a fun time uh, to bring him into the huddle and uh, get a chance to finally saw Willie uh, these last few weeks over at the practice facility at Henderson. We'll see him again uh, next week at minicamp. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imbajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. 
thanks again uh, to Willie Ramirez over at the Associated Press here in Las Vegas. He always does a great job uh, covering uh, everything uh, Las Vegas related. And as I've come to found, find since moving here to Las Vegas, there's a lot going on <laughs> when it comes to Las Vegas and sports. Lots of obviously UFC. You've got the highest level of boxing imaginable, and that's only going to increase now that everything's opening back up. Um, you've got, uh, you know, obviously the Raiders, you've got the Golden Knights, uh, you got the AAA baseball team. There's a lot of things that are going on here in Las Vegas. And to me, it's only getting more and more. I would expect at some point the NBA is going to come knock it on the door. And um, that, along with the Raiders uh, and the Golden Knights, obviously, Man, uh, this is going to be the place to be. By the way, uh, the place to be tonight is over at Michael T's uh, Steak Restaurant here in Las Vegas. Remember, every Friday night, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., uh, you've got Hawaii. It's called Aloha Fridays. Uh, from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., it's live Hawaiian music. From 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., karaoke with a live Hawaiian uh, DJ. Six dollar uh, Kahlua pork tacos. All right, I'm already getting hungry. Um, and of course, as much uh, uh, uh tequila uh, as you want. Um, you know, embajador tequila is part of the uh, uh, putting this together. So Friday night, tonight, Michael T's uh, over here in Las Vegas from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Aloha Fridays. Uh, we really want to support Michael Tease. He's been a really good friend of the show. Uh, and of course, Embajador uh, Tequila. Um, got a question uh, earlier today. I do a weekly mailbag, uh, Raiders mailbag for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can always check out the work uh, over um, whether you want to download the app Vegas Nation or just go to VegasNation.com. We've got you covered over at the Review Journal um, every which way to, to Sunday in terms of stories, photos, videos. We do a TV show um, pregame. Uh, we do sh- uh, nightly uh, news reports. Um, we have, you know, when, when there's a practice, we're always going to have videos uh, for uh, our Raiders coverage to go along with everything that we're doing writing-wise. We have podcasts. So uh, highly recommend it. Um, Vegas Nation uh, on the app and VegasNation.com uh, on the computer. Uh, we've got you covered. We've taken a lot of pride over at the Review Journal of becoming what we believe is the uh, definitive place to go for Raiders coverage. That's not taking away anything from our, any of our good friends uh, around town uh, in the media. Um, in spite of the competitive nature of it all, um, we're all good friends and, and professional about it and colleagues. Uh, but um, you know, we 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 definitely take pride uh, in in our coverage. Um, so, uh, but anyway, and we're going to play a clip uh, a little bit later after we uh, after we break at the top of the hour, and it's about um, it's Gus Bradley talking about Tanner Muse, and um, somebody in the mailbag asked me a question this week uh, over on Twitter about Tanner Muse, and kind of implied that you know he sort of prolonged the surgery for his toe because he wasn't going to make the team. I don't know where some of this nonsense. I, 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 Guys, I you know how I love the fans and I love the readers and all that. But some of you guys, man, with the conspiracy theories or reading things into it that just are so far removed from reality, I kind of have to like bite the old lip, you know, um, and let the Italian come out and just like waylay you, 
for being like, what are you thinking? Anyway, Tanner Muse last year, there was no danger of ever getting cut. <laughs> there was nothing like that going on. Uh, he tried to practice through a toe injury that had carried over from his last year at Clemson. He was able to manage it at Clemson um, through treatment and everything like that. And a lot of it kind of gritting his teeth and getting through it. Um, but once he started training camp, remember there was no OTAs, all that. We don't want to get into it. But he starts oh, he starts training camp and re-aggravates the injury. And when you're, you know, it's one thing practicing over at Clemson, highest level of college football that there is outside of Alabama. But it ain't nothing on the NFL. Sorry, it just isn't. That's obvious. And the cutting and the the stopping on the on a dime and accelerating all of that to defend this level of athlete, uh, it's going to take its toll. And it re-aggravated the toe. He tried to play through it. It was obvious to anyone who was out there, myself included. And I've talked to Tanner about this. He wasn't even close to being, uh, you know, a hundred percent. He looked slow. I didn't quite understand because I didn't know what the injury was or that there even was an injury watching him. I'm like, Oh wow. What happened to this guy? Well, it turns out he had an extremely painful toe injury, kind of like turf toe, basically that he tried to play through. Then, uh, it got to a point where, hey, man, you need to do something different. So uh, they put him on IR. He tried every treatment known to man to get through it. Uh, and the last resort was surgery, um, which he knew that if he had the surgery at any point, it was going to cost him a season. He wanted to get back out on the field. Well, somebody on Twitter was like, you know, taking that to mean that he was milking it and that, you know, he was never going to make the team. So he just landed on IR and said, guys, come on, man. I, I look. I'm I'm a I'm a reasonable person. All right. I don't get mad or, or that often or anything like that. But I do get mad at idiocracy. I do get mad at people who like read something absolutely and almost phenomenally stupid into something. Like that's what gets my horns out. Like how could you even think something like that was going on? Anyway, Tanner Muse, we're going to hear from Gus Bradley about him uh, after the top of the hour, is very much in the Raiders' plans, whether it's special teams to start off with or or, or training and learning how to play a linebacker after playing safety in college. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he is now that he's healthy. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster brought to you by Tequila Tabajara.